0: Let's do it Let's do it Broadcasting from around the world You're listening to The First 100 A podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan.
1: Welcome to the show, Nick. How are you doing today?
0: Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me on
1: So I'm very excited about this episode because... Uh, I've been following a lot of your work, especially I'm a big podcast listeners, and I have the pitch on my Spotify, and I enjoy how you get all of these founders. And part of the inspiration is this, right? This is how my show was originally started: is my curiosity and me listening to a lot of podcasts. And I thought, well, there's room for one more podcast out there. Mm-hmm. So I'll give this more introduction about you, Nick, and then you know you tell us more about your event. So Nick uh, Telson, you're the founder of Trumpet and also the Pitch Deck podcast. First, Trumpet is a platform that helps people design personalized trackable sales pod in just a few clicks. And you mention on, on your site that it's like a small microsite for, uh, for salespeople. Mm-hmm. Practically, you're combining Shopify, Canva, and Slack to help people close deals faster. And you've raised today to date around two million from Lightbird Ventures alongside a few other angels. You also have your own venture firm called Horseplay Ventures, I believe, and your podcast. So you have a lot of things on your plate. Uh, Nick, how do you do all of that?
0: Um, very well organized. Um, so I think yeah, lots of different things going on. But I'm a big believer that if you enjoy all the different parts of what you're doing, then you can make time for everything. But yeah, try and try and run very structured days to make sure everything's getting the right amount of attention that it needs.
1: If you were to show us your twenty four hour day, how does it look like? When do you start? How do you start? Is there any framework you use to stay organized?
0: Because I ran a business that we exited in 2019, I ran that for 10 years. I was obviously started that when I was younger and I sort of threw everything into it and I was obsessed with it and I worked on it 24-7, which wasn't that healthy. So with Trumpet, I've tried to bring a bit more sort of structure to my day. I try not to take any meetings before 10am and that goes for anything. So that gives me time to wake up, exercise or go for a walk, have breakfast and not just be pulled straight into things try not to open up my emails then try and just take time to wake up properly um I'm a big believer in to-do lists. So every morning I'll create a to-do list of three things that I have to get done that day. I physically write them down on post-its and normally stick them on my laptop. So then I know whatever comes my way during the day, I've got those three things actually I need to get done. So that really helps me focus because being a founder, the list is endless and essentially you are never finished. I find putting down three things on paper every morning really helps me zoom in on what I need to get done.
1: Amazing. Let's start with your recent startup, Trumpet. Take us back to your founding aha moment. How did the idea come? What pain point are you solving? And if you were to explain it to an eight-year-old, what is Trumpet?
0: (laughs) Hopefully an eight-year-old that uh, likes sales. The best way to ideate, and I ideate on startups all the time, is to go back to experience. So I think whether that's in your personal life or your day-to-day work life is finding holes in what you are used to -to day-to-day. So for Trumpet, we thought back to the 10 years we were running Design My Night in the UK, and we looked at all the processes we had in place across that team. We had about 90 to 100 people across all different teams. We were a B2C site and a SaaS business, so we had everything. And yeah, we looked at sales and There was on the one hand, lots of CRMs that people will know, HubSpot, Pipedrive, Salesforce, et cetera, and outreach tools to like find the right person to contact. But then if you think about it, you then revert to PDFs, Google Slides, 50 to 100 emails back and forward with the buyer to get the deal done, sending attachments and use cases and contracts and documents. And it's actually a bit of a mess, but nothing's really been done about that. So what we wanted to do with Trumpet was sort of digitize that, personalize that. So make personalized microsites, we call them pods for your buyer where everything can live. So whether you're doing cold outreach and you want to try and get their attention, you can spin up very quickly a personalized microsite with all the information they need, or a big use case for us is actually after the first demo or first call, you can then follow up with one of our pods. So here's everything we discussed. Here's how we can help you. Here's a recording of our demo. Here's our FAQs. Here's some use cases, but all in a really nice design microsite that the buyer can then also share internally. So actually, the buyer has everything they need to make a decision quickly. Yeah, that was sort of the first spark of inspiration on what has become Trumpet.
1: How did you validate that there is a market for it out there? Because it's a little bit different than the normal habit that people are accustomed to.
0: Yeah, for sure. We're very big on validating our ideas. So before Trumpet, we had probably six other ideas that we were ideating at the same time. We spent months validating. So for Trumpet, we set up interviews with over 200 salespeople and founders and sent them type forms and did phone interviews. And we just basically, we created a one pager about Trumpet. It wasn't created then. It didn't have the name Trumpet. And we were like, look, this is what we're creating. This is our vision what do you think? What do you hate about it? What worries you about it? What don't you like about it? You know, trying to get all the negatives out. And actually that's the truth rather than just saying, do you love it? Really try and actually say, do you not like it? And we then put a doc together with all of that feedback. So why it won't work, why it will work, objections, people that love it, ideas. And we looked at that document and the positive far outweighed the negative. And that made us think, okay, there's something here. We've got 200 people that have already sort of said, you know, if you create what you're saying, we'd be interested to take a look at it. So for us, that was a really good driver of that there might be something here.
1: Amazing. Thank you for sharing this, Nick. So before we dive into what has worked for you to have users uh, using Trumpet, at a point in time, you have thousands of people on the wait list. What didn't work originally? What ideas or acquisition strategies did you try that did not work?
0: To be honest, with Trumpet, we were so studious on our approach that before we did anything, we just read. We read uh, all the blogs, all the Medium articles, listened to podcasts. There's so much information out there about how to build a website, how to build FOMO. You can listen to articles about Figma, Slack, and Notion, how they did it. So there's so much information out there. That I always say that to founders as an investor when they go, oh, I can't find this, I can't find that. There's just so much information out there. So actually, we went straight into waitlist, launched our landing page with the waitlist and actually just did that for three months and didn't really try any other acquisition funnels at that point. And all the viral mechanisms that we put into the waitlist and our FOMO drivers really did succeed in what we want. So there was nothing that we did that actually didn't work at that point.
1: Can you give us an example how you created FOMO in that instance?
0: Yeah. Since I exited my first business, I've been building up a profile on social. So I do a a lot of work on LinkedIn. There's three of us that co-found Trumpet. One other is a bit of a sales expert. He led sales at EMEA for Hotjar and he had built up an audience around sales tips. So I was more founder tips, he was more sales tips. So actually we were very lucky that we'd spent a year building up our profiles on there as experts and people were just very excited to see what we were building together next. And it's all about sharing teasers, little gifts of the product coming together, little like sneak peeks of the product Figma of how it's going to look, what we're trying to achieve, some of the feedback we've got on what we're trying to achieve, to just to show people that we're building something that looks cool and is going to work for you as well. And we just kept seeding out this information, especially on LinkedIn, and that really got people intrigued. We then had a viral mechanism on our waitlist, So once you signed up, you got an email saying, if you want to go up the wait list, if you want to get a discount, share your link which actually worked really well. About 20% of our waitlist came from referrals from people already on the waitlist. So that worked very well for us. And again, with our waitlist, we didn't just have the waitlist and do nothing with it. So we set sequencing up with our waitlist to tease the product, to, but also to educate people Like we want to become across the sales experts. So actually with our waitlist, we were pushing out sales education, podcasts for people listen to, medium articles to read, as well as teasing the product. So we really wanted to show the weightless people that, look, we know what we're doing and we're building something really cool. Um, Stick with us, basically.
1: Amazing. I think one of your strategies, and you've articulated it on your blog very eloquently, is Product Hunt, which uh, you call it the Oscars of the tech scene where big names such as Slack, Notion, Loom, Robinhood, they they all were there. And you guys reached number one in one of the days that you've launched. And I believe you've signed up around 424 different sign up, which is quite amazing. For those who didn't read your blog, which you detail how you've done it, if you were to give the masterclass version of launching successfully on Product Hunt, what would it be?
0: Yeah. So again, this was something that was very long in the works. So we actually didn't launch our product hunt. We did it recently. So we're recording this end of March. So we actually did it at the end of Jan and we launched our beta in June, July last year. So we waited like six months. We wanted to get the product out to our beta users early, get feedback, build ship features, make sure the onboarding was perfect, make sure the payment flows are right. So Product Hunt, you shouldn't, I don't think the first time you do it, you shouldn't just go in with your like really rough MVP. So we waited six months, we shipped lots of new features, we were ready to go. And look, Product Hunt is a community. That's how you build on Product Hunt. So you treat it as such. So weeks before we launched, we went down all of our contacts. We built lists of all the Slack groups we're in, of all the WhatsApp groups we're in, of all the sales channels we're in. Obviously, all of our customers that already use Trumpet saying, look, product, we're doing this product hunt. It's coming. Register on our product hunt page here. We'd really appreciate your support. And just being really humble with it, just not acting all high and mighty, but actually just saying to all these people, look, this is really important to us. We're a new startup. And to get to number one would mean a lot to us. So we would really appreciate your support. And then on the day, your job as a team, everyone, is to convince as many people in your networks to go and upvote and comment and then you need to engage as a team. So that worked very well for us. So everyone's leaving comments and lots of people we didn't know, which is great. And actually as a team, like my our devs were on there commenting, saying, oh, that feedback's really interesting. We'll look at that. Our marketeer, she was on there saying, you know, thanks for that. So all of our different team members were also commenting and engaging with everyone. And, you know, in the end, we had over a thousand comments and we actually didn't have the most upvotes. I think we had the third most upvotes of the day, but we had at least three X the amount of comments as everyone else. And Product Hunt does rate comments very highly because it shows engagement. So those are the best tips is, yeah, get your own community behind you on the day and engage with people on the page. And look, it's luck as well. So you have no idea who's launching on that day. So Google could come out with, you know, their new AI tool on the day that you're launching Product Hunt. And there's nothing you can do with that, unfortunately. we actually had a very competitive day. So there were three of us that on any other day would have all won. So we were a bit unlucky that we had such a competitive day, but in the end we won. So um, yeah. And the other quick thing is, it's 24 hours a day. So Product Hunt every day launches at 8am UK time. So you've got four or five hours to get in the lead before America wakes up. So you really need to like push those three, four hours of all of your UK contacts or your Asian or Australian contacts, everyone that's awake to vote and comment. And then by the time America wakes up, you hope that you're in quite a big lead and already at the top of the leaderboard. And then our team were working till about 1 a.m. that night, engaging with all the US commenters on our post as well. So it's a really, really long, long, frantic day but a lot of fun as well
1: thank you for all all those tips so trumpet is not your first startup you did as you mentioned your first startup design my night uh, for 10 years and then you exited uh, for more than 30 million and what learnings did you have to unlearn at your first startup and not bring to you to trumpet
0: Yeah, it's a really difficult question to answer it in as much as you're not actively thinking really in the day to day of, okay, well, what did we do or what didn't we do that we should or shouldn't do in Trumpet? Most of it is just when you're in the cut and thrust of the day or a strategy meeting or dealing with a team member, you just remember, oh, okay, well, we did that at Design My Night, that worked, that didn't work. Let's bring that across. I think one big learning we took was hiring at Trumpet, we're, we're looking to go faster than Design My Night. So we're actually hiring a bit more senior people. I think one of our successes at Design My Night was we had a very young team and myself and my co-founder, Andrew, worked really hard growing that team. We invested a lot of time uh, training the younger people to become eventually managers in our company and loads of people stayed the whole journey. So we had a really tight team there, but it took a lot of effort from us, a lot of micromanaging. So I think what we've done with Trumpet is let's hire people who have already been there and done it a bit more and not micromanage them and actually learn from them, listen to them, get the excellence from them, sprinkled with our strategy. So as founders, we now see it that we're sort of steering the ship like We are leading the strategy. We're on top of budget. We're on top of what's working and what's not working. That's our job. Your job as a team, the excellence in each division, customer success, marketing, dev, design, sales, is to go and do what you're great at and just tell us how you're doing. Like, So we're not going to micromanage you every day, but we will just keep on top of how you're performing and you just leave the rest to us. So don't worry about how Trumpet's doing. If we're raising money, our finances, all of that is up to us. We'll set the strategy. You will go and execute it. So that's one big thing for us. And when I say hiring excellence, I'm not talking about hiring $200,000 Stanford people. You still got to work within a budget, but hiring people with two or three years experience rather than one year experience. And That I've already seen. There's a team of 16 now at Trumpet already. And I'm seeing that that's having amazing green shoots for us.
1: Amazing. Thank you for sharing this. So let's tag a little bit to your podcast. Uh, You're very successful at it. I think your top five global business podcast, top three UK, in both business and the entrepreneurial category. How did it start and what inspired you to try to start a podcast?
0: So it was during lockdown, we'd sold Design My Night. So I was free after 10 years and didn't start Trumpet for probably eight months after we sold Design My Night. So, and yeah, we were locked down. So I was thinking, okay, well, what can I do? What am I passionate about? What do I want to put out to the world? And as an investor as well, so I'm an angel investor in about 55 startups at the moment across the world. I just saw like how bad people were at pitching, to be frank. That was number one. Number two, how tough it is if you don't have any network to get access to angel investors or VCs. And three, building up my own network. So deal flow for me. So to get founders sending decks to me and also building up my network of sort of VCs and angels as well. Those were sort of my three motives. I do a lot of mentoring for founders as well. So it sort of played nicely into that. And the first few seasons, we're on season five now, the first few seasons were very much like Dragon's Den or Shark Tank. So we would have a founder come and pitch us for two minutes, all audio only, so quite hard for the founder. And then myself and an angel investor would do live Q&A exactly as we would if we were on our first 30 minute call quite brutal in some places, very honest, uh, very raw. And the founder would answer. And then at the end of each episode, myself and the investor would discuss openly what we thought about the idea. I wanted to do that just because you know I love Dragon's Den and Shark Tank, but they're not really the reality of what's happening. They are entertainment programs. So I wanted to just bring a bit more reality to the situation. I thought it was great for founders to hear how other founders pitch they could learn a lot from that. But also just lifting the lid for founders on what questions investors will ask. Because for a lot of founders, they would never have spoken to an investor. So it really lifted the lid on that. And then obviously, all the investors I have on my show have their show in the show notes, people can reach out to them direct. So it's if you listen to the podcast, there's a network for you there to go and reach out to already. In the more recent seasons, just because of time. And they were like an hour long episodes, like proper production. I've done sort of more 15 minute snapshot interviews with early stage investors. And the vision for that was just, I want every person listening to get at least two or three key points that they can take away. So whether it's speaking to an investor, outreaching an investor, what should be in a pitch deck, what you should do in your first 30-minute call, how you should move along an investor journey, uh, the legals of investing, all of that nice stuff, and just hearing that from all different types of investors. So I speak to early-stage VCs, I speak to angels, I speak to sports people who invest, anyone who invests in early-stage people. And yeah, I get great feedback, which is lovely, that people say, yeah, I really took what you said or the investor said in that episode and I managed to raise money from it or actually reached out to one of the investors on one of your shows and I've raised money from them so that's amazing that's why I do it is to get that type of feedback
1: great thank you for sharing this is there any advice or tips you could share with us on how to grow an audience especially as you know podcast audience is hard at the beginning but then there's some somewhere a tipping point that it becomes organic
0: yeah, from a podcast point of view, it's tough. So I think I say to people that ask for my advice on a podcast is, don't do it if you're doing it for ego or to get a big audience because that won't be a big enough driver. Because as you know, as you will know, and as anyone that builds their own personal brand, it's all about consistency. So you know, I probably didn't get a tipping point really of the show until season three. And, you know, that just comes from the natural virality of a podcast. If you're genuinely putting out useful content, people will find it, people will share it, people will subscribe. And I think that's one thing that I'm very big on when I'm recording each podcast is I'm actively thinking, will my listeners get something from this episode? I don't just want a wishy-washy story or anything like that. I want them to have actionable insights they can take away. And I feel that if you provide that in podcasts, the virality will naturally spread. Of course, it helps if you've got a network. So I already had a network on LinkedIn, so I can promote the podcast on there. And of course, if your guests you have on have a bigger network than you, they will share your podcast as well. So that's a great hack to um, get your own podcast out there more is to get guests with a bigger profile than you. So but yeah, consistency. There's no shortcut with any personal brand growing, including podcasts. It's just doing it, showing up, enjoying it, not having any expectations. I genuinely do it because I love it. And anything else that I get off the back of that is awesome.
1: I mean, this is the common theme. I've interviewed a lot of podcast hosts, and this is what they say. It's the the common denominator, consistency. Do it because you love it and not because you want to make money out of it. What is the principle that, You live by that has made you successful, probably in business or in life. I could share any.
0: I think it doesn't sound like a very nice, I'm a very sort of caring, sensitive person, but I have this the principle I have is to win and I want to win in everything I do. And I won't overstep the mark to win, but I have that inner determination that drives me on everything I do. That, again, not from an ego point of view, but from an internal point of view, that I want to congratulate myself and I want to feel like I've succeeded in something. And that determination just drives me on all the time. There's a lot of talk around hustle culture and how damaging it is, which is true. All my founders I invest in, I always say to them, look, I'm here if you want to talk about anything. If you're struggling, mental health concerns, uh, you know, I'm here to help. You've got my money now, so I'm here to help. But one message I do try and put out is, it's the hardest thing you'll probably ever do in business is starting your own company, your own podcast or whatever. And if you haven't got that determination, if you don't feel like you can work A lot of the hours of the day, at least to get it going, because you are going to need to. Whatever anyone says, no one has yet shown me a founder that has worked nine to five, Monday to Friday, and been incredibly successful, that didn't have an audience already. You know, if it's your fourth startup and you've got millions of followers, it's much easier to launch something. (laughs) So I really make sure for myself and for people I invest in, like, do you have that drive and determination? Because whatever anyone says, it is incredibly hard work. It's incredibly up and down. It's emotionally and mentally draining. And you know what? It's not for everyone. And that's totally fine. Like not everyone needs to be a founder. It really isn't for every- everyone. And for people that love the startup world and want to make money from the startup world and be involved in the startup world, I tell them to go and work for a startup. Like go and find early stage startups, be one of the founding members or be one of the early hires. But that's a lot less pressure mentally and physically than being the founder. So I do say to people that want to be founders, like truly make sure you are ready for this because I cannot tell you how hard it is. And the rewards are great, obviously, but you and your loved ones need to be ready for how hard you are going to work. And I cannot get that message across more.
1: Thank you for sharing this advice, Nick. One last question, 12 months into the future, where would Trumpet be and what new features would we see?
0: (laughs) I won't give you an insight into our roadmap for, for fear of the competitive landscape. We are shipping features like crazy at the moment. We've got an amazing dev team. So, the product will be sensational, and I'm sure of that. People that see the product already comment that it's sort of like a Series A, B product already in how it looks and works. So, we're super passionate and proud of what we're building. We uh, want Trumpet to be global. We'll be in the US. We will hopefully have raised our Series A. We want to have thousands of happy paying customers, but most of all, just doing great stuff for our customers. We speak to our customers daily and the stories we're getting out on the results they're having with Trumpet in terms of like shortening their sales cycle, getting more demos booked, closing more deals is amazing. And in this macro environment where actually all businesses really need to grow their revenue, that needs to be every business's number one target at the moment. So it's amazing to have built a tool that helps them to do that. Like we're not a nice to have, like if you have a sales function in your business, trumpet if you use it correctly will help you close more deals and shorten your sales cycles to get more revenue so we're very big on use cases and customer reviews so hopefully in a year we'll have just a ton of amazing use cases across the globe and yeah super happy customers that's sort of how we measure ourselves at the moment
1: nick thank you for being part of our show we wish you the best of luck how can people reach you
0: thanks a lot for having me i've enjoyed the discussion and yeah the best place to find me is on linkedin so nick telson on linkedin that's where i put out most of uh, my content and if you want to check out trumpet that's on sendtrumpet.com and my podcast as you said is called pitch deck so if you search pitch deck and my name there's a few pitch decks out there so if you search pitch deck and my name hopefully you enjoy it and you've got five uh, series to binge on
1: amazing. Nick, we'll put all of those in the show notes. Thank you and have a great evening. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.